Hey, welcome all you guys out there in the podcast universe. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Mr. Brown coming at you from the Man Cave 2.0. This week we talked about a wide range of topics, including the NFL recap and predictions for this upcoming weekend. We talked about Chad the Marks ongoing hard-on for Nick Foles. He's taking the plunge this weekend as a result of the lost bet. Shut up. We're talking about Oklahoma not playing by the rules in the transfer portal and the uh, all-time NBA starting five in NBA draft format. And lastly, I want you guys to hang out and listen to an upcoming announcement for this weekend's podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody, don't forget to follow along and like us on your favorite social media platforms. If you're a Facebook fan, just search for We Don't Know Sports, the podcast. If Twitter is more your thing, you can find our handle at We Don't Sports. You can go old school and drop us a line through our email box. The address there is We Don't Know Sports at Yahoo.com. This podcast is hosted by the company SoundCloud and is available on Google Play and iTunes, Apple Podcasts everywhere. Please be sure to subscribe to get notifications whenever new episodes are available. All right, what is up, fellas? We are live from, uh, I don't know if we want to call it Man Cave version 2.0 or parts unknown, but we are on location in a mysterious place, and I am uh, with Mr. Brown, and we got Canadian Biggie on the line. Biggie, what is up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? That was was pretty in-depth. I'm glad you're doing well. I know I'm doing pretty good. I'm here with Mr. Brown. He's uh, got a shit eating grin on his face after hearing your glorious response. No, I was, I was just going to say I'm uh, doing well. I don't think I'm doing as good as Adam Gase, but I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> You're not chasing the imaginary butterflies. I, I don't know what's going on with Adam Gaze, but I can't even go look at our page online right now because it's starting to spook the hell out of me. It's a little creepy. Well, it's more than creepy. It's like a Halloween episode of... But we don't know sports page. I mean, don't lie, don't lie, Biggs. You want some of what he's got. I know you do. Who'd you say that I don't already have some of it? How do you know where he got it from? He's in the division now, boys. That's that stuff you get off the cow patties up there in the Dakotas, isn't it? How do you know that? I just assumed. So is he al- has he always been like this, or is it just now that he's on a New York team and it's kind of easier to see? I mean, this is brand new to me. I, if if I knew this before, I would have been more fearful of him. News to me. I think it's what happens when you go into the vortex known as the Jets. Yeah, I knew nothing about the guy, really. I mean, overall, and then I see that news conference, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with him? I mean, he, he the crazy eyes, man. Uh, it looks like the dude from Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> the Steve Buscemi guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I was thinking of that guy, too. I couldn't think of his name. When I heard on the radio they were talking about it on the a couple different uh, shows, I thought, that can't be that bad. And then when I saw it, I was like, is this make-believe? Did somebody alter it? Like, how do they not stop the press conference and ask him what the hell was wrong with him? The moral of the story is that dude still got a Lamborghini in the end. So <laughs> let's just hope that's the same case. Well, he might have got that Lamborghini from the guy he knew in Colombia before that. (laughs) It's possible. You know what it reminds me of? It's like those cheesy, like, comedies that you'll watch where there's, like, a a guy trying to teach someone how to be tough. And one of the things that you got to be able to do is show your opponent the crazy eyes. That way they know you're serious and they might back up off of you. And Adam Gaze learned that lesson a long time ago. And he's giving everybody that crazy eye because you're not going to step up on him. If you walked across him in a dark alley, the only thing you'd see were those huge white eyes staring at you. I mean, I made the comment online that it looked like he was staring into the Ark of the Covenant before it ripped his skin off. Like, I, I just, it is beyond bizarre. And I'm not going to post any more pictures of him because I can't handle it. I mean, I ain't going to lie. Like when I was, when I would come up to bat, I would kind of give the picture of the stink eye, like to try to gain an advantage at some point. But I don't know why he's trying to scare the hell out of all the reporters and the media. So uh, who knows with him? Maybe he thinks if he puts on a strong pound the table, I'm Bill Belichick, I'm the greatest thing, gives him that eye look, they won't write him after every single loss next season. Well, you know how notorious the New York media can be, so he's doing what he can to create a divide now so they'll stay the hell away from him. And I had my press pass. It would work. 
<laughs> yeah, that's his thing. Try to get on top while you can. Once the losses start mounting, he'll be quick to head for the door, just like the rest of them up there. All right, well, enough about Adam Gase. We, we had our uh, our divisional round in the playoffs just came and gone. And, yeah, I feel like it's the, the correct place to start would be the Eagles and the Saints game. And I, I'm eating crow. I lost. I lost the bet. I lost the game. I got to say, you know, I'm watching that game, the first half, you know, I'm kind of getting worried because I figured the Saints would come out having to buy and they would destroy, you know, the uh, Eagles. But the Eagles came out crazy. They got up by two touchdowns. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking this is the exact type of game that's going to be a magical uh, script from Nick Foles. Let them hang around, right? Just like the Bears did. And then all of a sudden. I mean, it. it's one of those things where I felt like I had it. And then I didn't have it. And then I thought I was going to get it again. And then Alshon Jeffrey is on suicide watch because, you know, they were marching the ball down the field and the magic of Nick Foles was getting ready to, you know, happen again. And it just fell apart. And, and look, at the beginning of the playoffs, I, I picked the Saints to win the whole thing. But I got so caught up in the aura and the, and the magic that is Nick Foles that I, I got swept away. And, and you know what? You guys have given me a little credit by saying things like, well, I didn't think the game would be that close or whatnot, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they still lost. The trains derailed. Nick Foles and the Eagles, I don't know what they're going to end up doing now, but either way, uh, I'm I'm devastated because I was so passionate about them knocking off the Saints, not just beating them, but going into the Superdome and beating them. I mean, I'm going to admit, when, when Lutz miss, missed that field goal, what, 52 yards, and they got the ball back, and they start driving, and before that uh, pass to Jeffrey and the interception the there. The script was written. Yeah, I'll send her thinking, and oh, my God, here we go. I'm going to be jumping in this ice-cold water, and I can tell you, Rhonda's not a football fan, but that's the first game she sat there and watched with me, and she was like, she's like, I think you're going to have to jump. I think you're going to have to jump. <laughs> <laughs> the way that game started you had to be fairly nervous 14 nothing couldn't do anything wrong saints couldn't get out of their own way it was one of those where it seemed like the bye week hurt them as far as being uh ready to play and rest versus rust that fake punt when they were down 14 nothing that got him going ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive that's just a ballsy kind of call that you get from a coach that went onside kick after halftime of the Super Bowl. And once they got that and they got rolling, I still felt like the way the game was playing out, especially there at the end when that kick was missed, uh, that somehow Magic Nick Foles was going to wave that wand and take him down the field for a touchdown. So glad to see it was as close as it was for the fate of you two and your nervousness as far as who was jumping. But uh, game-wise, I felt like... These Saints were lucky to win that game. I mean, when I saw they only jumped out by 14, I realized that they took the best punch to the mouth that the Eagles had to offer given their offense. So when the Saints hung around, they were only down by two scores. I didn't think it was anything they couldn't overcome given Drew Brees and his uh, record in that dome. So I felt like it was still within reach. I was a little nervous, but, you know, I feel like they were still going to come back and uh, win and uh, – Send Chad to the plunge. Well, that's what's happening. I'm a man of my word. February 2nd. It's February 2nd, right? Saturday, February the 2nd. Saturday, February the 2nd. Somewhere in Hurricane. Do they do it at the pool? They do it at uh, Hurricane City Park. They fill up a pool over there. Okay. I was thinking I was going to jump in the pond on the side of 34. I originally thought that too. <laughs> that that, that kind of made me a little bit. I, I, I can handle a pool. At least I don't have to worry about any nefarious disease can, uh, you know, being contracted. But I, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to do it. So, Fuller Plunge. Uh, I am not going to see a doctor first. I'm not getting a physical done. So, we're just going to wing it as far as health goes. And, you know, I, I probably won't ever make a bet like that again. I do have one question for you. Uh, they are Hawaiian-themed Speedos. Well, that was my second question. Are you taking cold showers to prepare? Oh, no, 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 no. I, you know, I figured I would still take my 95-degree showers. That way, whenever I do jump in the water, the 
you know, absolute shock and pain and, you know, all the emotions that are going to be experienced by me, at least visually, will be seen by the audience. Well, I'll give you my, my commitment here, okay, because I've been reading up on it, not knowing if it was going to be me, and your body, when you hit that when you hit that water, it automatically reacts and wants you to take a gasp of air, so if you need somebody to come in and save you, I will take one for the team, but only <laughs> if you start flailing your arms, I'll come in and save the day. You know, you starting to describe the, the <laughs> symptoms that I might experience <laughs> is not making me feel good about this. <laughs> He's just letting you know he knows what to look for. So you're in good hands. Take the challenge on right ahead. No hesitation. Get in there. That's like when you take a little kid to the doctor and you let them know they're going to get a shot. Like you're better off just doing it, not telling them now I got to think about this crap. I mean, I plan on video. I'm going to video it. And uh, if he starts flailing those arms, I'm going to hand the camera over to uh, my wife and uh, I'm going to jump in and, you know, be hero, I guess. Well, I, I appreciate the uh, camaraderie and the the teammate aspect of that. I, I plan on not having to pull you in, although you bringing that up does let me think some nefarious thoughts about feigning some type of injury to see if you'd be the one to come save me. All I'm saying is you might want to rethink the cold showers. All right. That, that might be a, a good piece of advice. All right. So enough about my impending doom. We had other games that we picked and and did not do a great job of picking this past weekend. Uh, Did we all pick the Colts? We all did pick the Colts. I mean, I thought they was going to come out stronger than what they did. Uh, The Chiefs uh, at Arrowhead there, they showed the Colts, uh, you know, what was up. And Mahomes, I'm telling you, he's legit. Uh, The Colts, uh, their magic ran out, I guess, much like Nick Foles. Most surprising thing of that game for me was – the Colts offensive line's been so good this year. I think they gave up the fewest sacks in the league. Uh, the blue wall protecting Andrew Luck. That defensive line for the Chiefs, which, you know, as the year has gone, they've won their games, made their bones on offense. It seemed like they were pushing them around. Luck had pressure on them. Balls were getting batted down. Uh, I was really impressed with how well the Chiefs defensive line went against that offensive line for the Colts set was so good all year long. I don't know if the cold had a factor in it or not, but Andrew Luck just didn't look didn't look like the same guy he'd been for the last three months of the season. Well, at what point is the experience going to catch up to Mahomes? I mean, he's out there playing like an established veteran. And and I know like they mainly dominated that game because they controlled the ball. They they had it so much longer than what the Colts did, at least when the game was early before it got out of hand. But I mean is is he like I know he's a great talent, but is he that good where we don't even care that he's in his second year? To me, I don't. And his dad pitched in the World Series when he was in the majors. His whole life, he's grown up wanting oh, to be on the big stage in the relevant. big moment. That, that's that's relevant. That makes him a great player. Then no, it doesn't. But what it does is his whole life, he's wanted to be right there on that big stage. I don't think that playing in a playoff game in his first season is anything that he expects to be the big moment of his entire life. You had Deshaun Watson last year come out and, like, go nuts, right, And before he got hurt. You saw the league kind of adapt to him, you know, and he, he was still good this year, but he wasn't the same guy that blew it up for, what, that six- to eight-week stretch. Um, I feel like that Mahomes is that good with that much arm strength that even though they were going to adapt and, and watch the film and coming into next year – I feel like he's going to be hands down, statistic wise, the best quarterback we're going to see for the next, uh, you know, at least half decade to a decade or maybe longer. I don't know. So compare him to somebody recent. Who who is he going to be? I mean, I think he could be his own guy. I mean, because you you talk about what he just put up. What the five thousand yards, fifty touchdowns. That's only what uh, um, Tom Brady and was it Peyton Manning? Is the only two that's ever did that. As far as what? I mean, other guys have thrown for 5,000 yards. No, in the same season. Um, I don't know. Maybe. 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. I think he's the third player ever. The other two, I believe, was Brady and Manning, and they're established veterans when they did it. In his second year. So is he First gonna, year as a starter. Is he going to be better long-term than Peyton Manning? I mean, it's early to say. I mean, No, but I mean, I mean, could you go out on that limb and say that? Do you see that being the case? I think he has better physical talents than Peyton Manning, but Manning was a, a coach on the field. 
So that's what separated Manning. But as far as gift, gifted, I think he could if everything goes his way. And I love Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is probably one of my favorite quarterbacks ever, behind Brett Favre, of course. <laughs> I think that uh, Mahomes is more physically gifted to Manning, but I wouldn't be willing to put him on the same level or think that he could get to that level yet because later in Manning's career when he had the 55 touchdowns with the Broncos, he could barely throw the ball, but he knew where it should go on every play before it was snapped. So his physical abilities left him, but he mentally was so sharp out there. Um, Have to see if Mahomes ever has some physical abilities leave him, if he's able to make up for it on that side of it. Well, well, here's where you're going to find out a lot about Mahomes and, and, you know, we'll get to the, the game here in a second, but, you know, Belichick and the Patriots have a knack for absolutely eating alive these young players the second time around. Is that going to happen? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say that's a whole nother question, Chad. This one game is different than my opinion for his career. But, you know, that so we, you know, go to the Chargers and the the Patriots. I think we we all picked the Chargers and Biggie originally I think had the Chargers winning the whole thing or something like that or the Saints winning the whole thing, but the Chargers being in the Super Bowl and then we kind of goaded you into letting your true feelings come out last week and you went on a tirade about New England and your true callers were revealed that you thought they were going to win no matter what the chips being down had to say and all that. So here you are. The Patriots took care of business. Why did they dismantle San Diego the way they did? What happened? Came out ready to play. Had an extra week to pick apart uh, what San Diego was going to try to do, do to them defensively, and San Diego sat in the same defense the whole game. They came out and ran their first 15, two touchdowns. They didn't have any reason to change anything. San Diego wasn't able to get any pressure with their ends, and offensively for San Diego, one possession early in the game, they had a defender get behind for the touchdown. Patriots defense settled in. I don't know that I've ever seen in my life the Patriots have a better half of football, and I'm not just saying four drives, four touchdowns. Everything that was in the game plan was executed almost perfectly. I don't know that they could duplicate that again this Sunday, but combination of them playing as best as they possibly could and Los Angeles Chargers not playing so well. Hey, Biggs, I'm going to take it a step further. I feel like, you know, the whole country felt like San Diego is going to win that game. But I think Bill Belichick is this big of a genius that he realizes that Brady, you know, he don't know how many years he has left to play. And I think he shows just enough during the regular season that he needs to do to win the division and that weak-ass division. Let's get that out of the way. But <laughs> win that weak-ass division so he can get in the playoffs. And I think, honestly, that was the first game all year that the Patriots decided, you know what, we're going to play ball. We're going to show America that we're not done yet. And they're going to show every pissed-off Sonny Michelle fantasy owner what he really had but didn't display during the regular season. So I'm telling you, the Patriots, they just kind of went through the motions and then the playoffs came and they just destroyed San Diego because they didn't show us what they had all season long. Bill Belichick's not playing for your fantasy team. He's not playing Sonny Michelle so you can win hardcore football. That's not what it's about. It's about him holding on to it until the playoffs. I mean, the Patriots are playing in that garbage division like we talked about, and that doesn't define them as a champion, but what it does is it gets them what they just took advantage of, that first round bye. Here they are again, and and that's not to say that you know they're you know, having to have that in order to be successful. I think if the Chargers and the Patriots play 10 times, it might go 5-5, five, 6-4, five, either way. Like I can't even tell you because I think both are good teams. But given the time... Your Patriots, Biggie, when they have time to prepare, there is nobody that can touch them. They're, they're just the, the ultimate masters when it comes to that, whether it's because they're watching more game film by nefarious means than, than you could ever imagine or whatever. <laughs> they're going to do it. The, the thing is about the Patriots, and I wrote an article about it today, and you know how much it pained me to write that, but the reality is they are above everybody else. There is not a franchise in professional sports that holds a candle to the Patriots year in and year out. They're, they're getting ready to play because I think they're going to win next week. They're going to go to their 11th 
AFC Championship or win their 11th AFC Championship game. I think they've been to 14 or 15 or whatever it is, but they're always in that situation and they do it through various different ways, but they just, it is a machine. It is an assembly line. It is a factory where all they do is produce results. They don't care about anything else. That's why they've had 35 different wide receivers we can mention. They've had 40 different running backs over the past 15 years we, we can mention. They don't commit long-term to anybody except for Brady. And, and that's it. Brady and Belichick, that's your marriage. Everything else is in flux. Well, and they've committed to Brady for so long because he always plays for less. But both you guys hit the nail on the head because Belichick has openly said that he views the first four games of the regular season as an extension of the preseason. That's why they are notorious for getting off to slow starts. And throughout the season, tinkering with his team, that's what he did. That's what they did this year. Let's find out what works. Let's plug a little here. Let's play a little there. Oh, that wasn't so good. Getting into the postseason, he knows what he has. And then, as far as where they are and how well they game plan, there's nobody who is ever going to be more prepared or leave a rock unturned. Is everything going to work out perfectly? No. But they don't always have the greatest top-end talent. Somehow, they're one of the final four teams almost every year. Brady's 17 seasons healthy as a starter. This is his 13th AFC title game, Brady and Belichick. That, it's nuts. And playing in a weak division does have, you know, it gives you the ability to uh, tinker around a little oh, bit. Because don't sugarcoat it. Just take it for what it is. You're lucky. Sometimes you have to be lucky in sports. You're lucky. I will say this before we switch subjects. If you look at the rate the Patriots have beat their division, it's the same percentage, 73 74% as the rate they beat the rest of the league. Like, I, I saw the stats where Brady makes the, the Super Bowl or the AFC title game more than LeBron James makes a free throw. You are correct. He is a little over 75% for AFC title games. That's better than LeBron's career, three free throw percentage. And they're trending in opposite directions. That's crazy. But yet he's the GOAT. <laughs> <laughs> Self-proclaimed. Hey. Oh. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> we don't want to go into hating LeBron land right now. I mean, well, all I was going to say is that let's get a TV show with people I'm in a partnership with and all my buddies and I'll call myself the goat and everybody will agree with me on the show. Right. You got to have hair to have a barbershop. <laughs> hey, places do old school shades, beard trims, all that stuff. I mean, I will say this. He is the first ever player to nominate himself as the goat you know everyone else like even jordan was like it's disrespectful for everyone who's played before me to say i'm the goat because you got to respect the history of the game let everyone else make that decision that's what i hate too is that you could say the goat the greatest of all time and it's disrespectful to different eras because trying to compare guys that played in the 70s or even oscar robertson to anybody that plays today it's just I don't know. I think that when you're good. What are you bringing up Oscar Robertson for? Wait, why are you bringing up Oscar Robertson? Don't be a hater. I'm not. I was just, he was a name that popped in my head. We're going to get to that. When you're good, you tell other people. When when you're great, they tell you. And LeBron constantly has to say how great he is. It's not that he just says it. He actually has a specific moment when he came to a realization that he's the greatest of all time. A specific (laughs) moment in time. <sighs> right I mean, after Kyrie hit that three, I knew I was the greatest. I mean, if you ask me, what was uh, Wilt Chamberlain's? Uh, I think he's the goat because he did all that before tender. What was that magic number? <laughs> Twenty thousand. <000? laughs> yeah, before tender. That's the goat right there. It's over. Hey, all I'm saying hands is down into the, the math, discussion. The math doesn't even work. So I mean, there must have been some crazy nights. That's all I can say. <laughs> he's the goat. And no one picked him today, but Will Chamberlain, we apologize. Is he dead? Um, you're asking the wrong person, but he he is dead. All right, so we uh we know you're partying up up there in heaven, and uh, we appreciate all your accomplishments. And uh, you should probably be on at least one of our three teams uh, for the uh, top five all time. We we didn't we didn't pick him, but uh, all right. Before yeah. before we get on That's the NBA, cute. before we get on the NBA rant too much, you know, hit hit the Rams and Cowboys real quick. I mean, the game was close. You know, I thought the Cowboys were going to cover. 
the the biggest thing to me was apparently the the Cowboys defensive line was like tipping their hand like every play. Yeah, apparently they had some film study and the Rams knew what stunts the Cowboys were going to run, which is fairly obvious when they had two backs go for 100 yards. To me, that's a real poor job of self-scouting. That's why you can keep the gingers, your head coach, but you got to get a little. Well, he bought another year. I mean, he's not going anywhere, but here's what, here's what you got now. Sean McVay has all the pressure in the world on him because half the NFL co- coaching roster now consists of like people he was in a fraternity with or something. I don't know where we're getting all the Sean McVay coaching tree now at the age of 24 years old, but he is uh, now in a situation where he's got to kind of back it up. He needs to win. So you got the old guard versus the new guard in the title games. You got the old guard being in, in each conference, Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and then you got Belichick and Brady. So you got the Patriots and the Saints going up against the young guns with McVay, who's younger than half the roster on the Patriots, um, you know, with the Rams and Golf and Gurley and all those guys. And then you got Patrick Mahomes strapping the team on his back. So, I mean, what, what do you guys seeing in the Super Bowl right now? We're down to the final four. Mr. Brown, who's your picks? Quickly. I just I don't care. Whatever All right, what say. I'm going to say is, um, I would I would like to see the Chiefs win, but I feel like the Patriots are going to win because I think Brady is something like 24 and four in games below 30 degrees, and the and the temperature is supposed to be at zero or below. So I feel like uh, you know Mahomes come born in Texas, went to Texas Tech. I feel like that game is just going to play right into Brady, and uh, you had one offensive lineman on the Patriots even saying I think it was the center even saying, I'm not wearing sleeves. Sleeves are for pussies. I'm going to wear my jersey like I always do, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play, and the rest is going to be what it is. So that was a lot more analytical than what I was going to give. I'm just saying, I don't know when the Patriots dynasty is ever going to fall apart. Everyone wants to be the first person to call it and say, see, I told you they were done. And that's what's been happening for the past five years, and everybody's still wrong. So call me reverse bandwagon now. I'm riding the Patriots until they're not there anymore. I, I'm just for the sheer fact that they always seem to find a way they're going to win. They're going to win. Biggie, before you chime in, if anybody can appreciate a tomahawk chop, it's me, but it's not going to matter. They're going to roll into airhead and they're going to continue to do what they always do. And Brady's going to, uh, you know, show why he's the second best ever behind Drew Brees. Go ahead. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Brown, you make some very valid points. I know Chad the Mark over there is trying to become a Patriots fan because he hopes his reverse uh, psychology no, no, in no, their no, diet. No, but I, it will not. Legitimately, what's going to happen? Listen, before you legitimately, not I am not. It is not reverse psychology. I legitimately have accepted this. I'm saying it right now. I I can't sit there and pick it apart anymore. They're going to keep doing it. It's just the nature of the beast. They got 12 draft picks next year. It, it's going to keep happening. So I'm not, I'm not, I'll hate on them, but they're still going to win. Go ahead. What I was going to say is that when they roll into Kansas City, it's going to be just like it was against the Los Angeles Chargers where they found their identity and they know how they're going to win against some of these high-powered offenses, control the clock with a run game and the short passing game. I mean, James White had, I was like 12, 13, might even been 15 catches the last game. They're all out in the flat. They're designed. They're short run games, control the clock, keep the defense off the field. It's the same thing when they roll into Kansas City. It won't matter that it's zero degrees when you're trying to run the ball down their throat and throw short passes out into the flat, and then you'll hit one here, hit one there. Andy Reid is still trying to call a play from six weeks ago in a two-minute offense. When they go into this game, the Patriots are ready. They know who they are now. They're going to roll into Kansas City. I don't see it being a high-scoring game. I think it's 23-17, 23-14, something like that. But the Patriots are rolling to the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Hey, Biggie. Yo. I mean, Andy Reid and all of us saw the spread at the at the White House with all that fast food, you got to tell me that's not extra motivation for him. You know that's where he wants to be. And he's got on a Hawaiian shirt and cargo shorts. He's like Grimace. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, you know what? I thought that was awesome. And you, you know, look, that was purely a political thing because he's trying to Trump's out there trying to, you know, bang the drum about the, the government shutdown. But did you see the reaction from the Clemson players eating that food? They were happy. It was the best thing they've had all year. You think about it. If you're a young top tier athlete, you're getting this huge cheat meal while you're at the white house. They weren't complaining. I mean, you saw the picture of Trevor Lawrence having like three Big Macs and 20 chicken McNuggets, right? <laughs> oh, sunshine. I mean, just to clarify the fake news, the, the, the quote from Trevor Lawrence that uh, was the best meal I ever had was fake news. He clarified that himself. But they did all seem to enjoy the meal and be at the White House. Hey, the pictures don't lie. I don't care about fake news. I saw a picture of him, unless it was Photoshopped, with a hell of a lot of McDonald's. And everyone was smiling. <laughs> I'm loving it. I just like how you're eating uh, fast food cardboard containers off of the silver platters that they have at the White that's, House. That's nice. That's, that's <laughs> Drink. Are you getting McDonald's sweet tea out of the crystal? Is that what's happening? Who knows what's in those cups? I mean, if, if only we knew where he was, I would love to know what the senator's take is on all this. But uh, we can move on to the next thing, I think. All right, so uh, NFC Championship game, just real quick. I mean, who you got? I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I am riding the Saints. Uh, I'm going with the experience over over the young young talent out there in uh, the L.A. Coliseum, and it's in New Orleans, so I'm giving – home field's pretty much giving me that pick too. So, uh, Saints, Saints, Patriots, Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off of that. I feel like the Saints are going to beat the Rams. I know that they had a two-headed monster running the ball this past week, but uh, I like the Saints in the Dome, home field advantage, and we will see the best two quarterbacks ever square off in the Super Bowl. Tell you what, even though Will Lutz has missed Phil goal, cost me a lot of money with our one listener in Chandler, Arizona. Wait, how, how much money? Uh, that'll be between me and him. I don't think I should disclose that on oh. here. Uh, we're lot. still friends. We're still friends until this upcoming Sunday. But uh, are you trying to get it back? I'm ahead. Well, I would be ahead if Will Lutz could have made a field goal, cover the spread. I think the Saints are going to roll on Sunday. Not a blowout, but I think it's a 31 21, 34 24 kind of game, seven to 10 point win. I like Saints, Patriots, and the Super Bowl. Hall of Fame head coaches, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. The buildup will be great. Game will be even better because these coaches will be prepared and ready to go. I mean, isn't this the first time we would have a Brady Bree Super Bowl? Yeah, it is. It's it's been like years in the making, so we've got to have one before they both go. Just imagine Super Bowl week in Atlanta. New Orleans is a hop, skip, and a jump. It's going to be a party the entire time. All right, so we're all we're all picking we're all picking a Saints Patriots Super Bowl. So it's going to be potentially one of the best Super Bowls of all time. Is that fair to say? I mean, legends, right? Legendary. What's a, what's a bigger matchup that we've had? What's a bigger Super Bowl matchup for marquee quarterbacks? I mean, outside have, of like Kaepernick Flacco, I mean that was epic, right? Well, I was going to say at the time it wasn't. Epic, but if you look back on it, Marino, Montana, the game wasn't close, but that was 35 years ago. Favre and Elway in the late 90s. Um, Breeze and Peyton Manning in, what, 2009? I mean, there's been a few top-tier matchups like that, but... It's been a while. Manning-Breeze is probably the last one. If the Super Bowl we all picked ends up happening, who is that game more important for us? Legacy. Brady's or Breeze? Breeze. Definitely Breeze. There's nothing you can do to Brady's legacy at this point. He just he just adding on. Yeah, I mean, he's already lost. Like, the whole argument about losing Super Bowls, he's already done that. So, losing another one doesn't kill him because he's won, what, four, five? He's won five, lost three. In the three they've lost, he's led his team down the field to take the lead in the fourth quarter. This last one he threw for over 500 yards. He still lost. He lost lost. That's the short answer. He lost three. He lost. Oh, what I'm saying is that. He lost as many as LeBron's won. Hey, there you go. They're each the GOAT, I guess. So it just did reverse fashion. My point being that in the losses, Brady hasn't been completely horrible. So his legacy is where it is. 
for Breeze, if he gets his second Super Bowl, he's all of a sudden, is he the greatest of all time? He's got the numbers. He's got two Super Bowls. Whereas right now he's kind of on the, just on the outside looking in. He gets a second Super Bowl, retires. Although I don't know if he'd retire because he's a stats whore. He is. All right, I don't want to talk about Brady anymore. Why not? You're on the bandwagon. Nope, it's making me delirious. He's in there doing the icky wood shuffle, just talking about it. <laughs> just go jump in, in a chair. Pool of freezing cold water. It'll knock it off of you. So, uh, have you been keeping up with Neil Brown at all since he got hired, Biggs? I tried to follow around as well as I can. I know he was uh, looking at a couple transfers possible at quarterback. Well, a couple a couple things first. Like everybody's getting really excited. First of all, what what we said about you unifying the fan base—that's definitely happened. Like everybody seems genuinely happy that he's our guy. But the one thing that I want to try to get people to slow their roll on a little bit is he's making offers to all these four and five star kids and things like that. And people were like, Oh, he's making these off. He's not the first coach we've ever had make those offers. Now, if he lands those people, that's a different conversation, but we know after the bowl game, WVU is definitely looking for a quarterback. So did you see the drama that's unfolded in the last 24 hours with the uh, transfer portal and all that? It's been a little crazy the way it's played out. I got to tell you, for the way things set right now, as opposed to where they were 10 hours ago, I was didn't know that I could uh, hate OU anymore, <laughs> and then that became possible today. Yes, uh, absolutely, I hate OU. Uh, they, they suck. We need to beat them so we can legitimately hate them the right way. I guess my question to you two is, why is it all of a sudden he can't transfer and now he can't transfer? So what changed? So what we're talking about is Austin Kendall, who is the quarterback for Oklahoma to, you know, we just had Jalen Hurts transfer from Alabama to Oklahoma, right? So Austin Kendall wants out. He knows he's not the guy there and he was a highly recruited quarterback. So he had options. He wanted to go to another school. We were in a, a sweepstakes for a couple of different quarterbacks in Morgantown, but Austin Kendall decided he wanted to go to West Virginia. So what happens? Oklahoma says, we're not going to grant him an immediate release and he's going to have to sit out a year because it's West Virginia. He can go somewhere else, just not WVU. What kind of horseshit is that? Let's be clear, though. Who is the last three uh, quarterbacks for Oklahoma? Well, let's see. Baker Mayfield transferred, right? Yeah. Immediately played, right? Correct. Kyler Murray did it too, right? Two Heismans, okay. All right, am I missing somebody else? Yeah, just the uh, recent one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Hertz, right? And then Mr. Hertz. All right, so there's your three. But we the can't let about, our guy go. The thing about not allowing Kendall to transfer to West Virginia after your last three quarterbacks have transferred into you from other schools is that he's probably not even going to be their number two quarterback because they got this really highly touted Guy coming in, so the school he can go where he knows he can play right away, nah, that's okay, but we, we can benefit from it, but you can't. God, that's horseshit. I mean, here's where I'm at with it. I was in Morgantown during the Oklahoma game this past time. I've seen what they've done every freaking year in conference play against Oklahoma. You're Oklahoma. What do you care what West Virginia does? This guy, you, you got to think, I got Jalen Hurts. Who cares if my guy's transferring? We're still going to come out and we're going to beat your ass. That's the mentality they should have. But instead, they're being little crybaby bitches about it. Let us take your guy and let's see what happens this fall. All I can say in response to that is Texas Tech didn't care where Baker Mayfield went, but Oklahoma sure cared a lot about somebody going to old Morgantown, didn't they? They feared of us, boys. They're feared of us. I'm calling it right now. We're going to beat them, and it's going to be their own quarterback coming in to Norman next year and putting them in their place. I'm quite excited about that. I like it. I, I like that. <laughs> Dramatic pause. I like it that uh, he ended up <laughs> – uh, <laughs> that fucking monkey just kicked in. <laughs> oh, what I was going to say is that I like what Mr. Brown said. You're the big bully on the block and you care. You care so much that he comes to us. We haven't beaten you since we've been in the conference. Last time we beat you, Bill Stewart was our head coach and we played in a bowl game. Just let him come. See what he can do. I mean, What's the big deal with little brother? 
stepbrother, West Virginia. Oh, I mean, bring your big Alabama transfer and let's go play ball, boys. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, what I say. Our grassroots movement to bring Jalen Hurts to Morgantown failed miserably, but we're going to take the next best option then. He might even be better. Yeah, I, I almost say I'm very hurt by that because, I mean, like, Hurts is better than what we had. Don't get me wrong, but, like, the the nonsense I saw in that was just blew my mind, but we'll see. Now we'll go in and beat Hurts, and it's all good, right? And to add to that, so all fans of West Virginia listening, when we go on social media and we ask for your help to draw some attention to Jalen Hurts, we know we're not the head coach. We know we don't make a decision. We know that it's ultimately Neil Brown's job to decide. Thank you for wearing your ass hat and telling us those things. All we tried to do was make a guy feel welcome in Morgantown, and instead we ended up infighting with each other because you guys think you're taking a moral high ground approach because it's beneath you to go to a college quarterback's you know, Twitter account and say, hey, Morgantown would be a great place to come. Instead, I let the coach figure that out. But now you're undermining the coach, and uh, he's going to Oklahoma. Not no. undermining the coach. <laughs> That's why it happened. <laughs> with Allison or Lowe, what we end up doing anyway? Coach went out, got a transfer. Not the transfer that we had in mind. No help to our fans. Could be better. I mean, there's but never, there's say. never nothing wrong with showing love on social media to a guy. Ultimately, we all know Neil Brand's making the decisions, boys and girls. But guess what? We can show a movement and influence an athlete's decision because guess what? Athletes do feed off of some. Uh, crazy emotions because that's what they thrive for so if Hertz felt like he'd come in here and make a difference and we truly embraced him he would have come and did it I and mean, there's a possibility the point is fans just quit taking things so seriously and have some fun you know if it was a kid at your high school that you wanted to play at wv you'd be in his ear telling them they needed to go so shut up much like that five-star recruit that's coming, that they're like, or they're, they're they they wanted to talk without a Huntington, right? The one that changed his tune. Did you see that? The O yeah, line, yeah. So we're all on board with that because he's an in-state boy. He eats pepperoni rolls and drinks moonshine. Let's get him to Morgantown. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking like the coach from Waterboy, and I apologize. With your coach, uh, coach Klein, Red no. Klein or Red Bow, you? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that that guy was completely based off of Bobby Bowden. Yeah. My favorite, uh, my favorite Bobby Bowden quote. Just to throw this out real quick, it's the old man's favorite Bobby Bowden quote. And we were talking about old Seabass, you know, last weekend about him getting hurt in the game. And when Janikowski played on Florida State, if you remember, he got his second DUI of the year right before the national championship game. And they're doing the press conference, and they ask Bobby Bowden, "So, what are you going to do about Sebastian Janikowski and his DUI? Is he going to play?" And his response was. Is he going to play? Well, hell yeah, he's going to play. we got a championship to win. <laughs> <laughs> you Put don't the guys the... out there that help you win the game. I mean, my favorite all-time sports quotes by Bobby Knight, he says, if you don't want to get hit by that chair, move a little faster. <laughs> <sighs> I'm pretty sure that was uh, Patches O'Houlihan was based off of Bobby Knight and his wrench throwing. <laughs> so earlier today, we got into a little bit of a delayed texting back and forth and we decided to see if we could do like a fantasy draft to pit our own top five NBA team against each other and the way it kind of worked was you know first pick went second pick third pick got to go twice then it went back to number two to number one so you, you get what I'm saying you know what do they call it roulette draft I guess is what that's called you know like a snake draft snake draft there you go so Mr. Brown went first Mr. Brown Probably picked the same person that all of us would have picked as number one. He went with Michael Jordan. So I don't think we need a big explanation as to why. No, I mean, you can't say a big explanation, but not a lot. there's a lot of people out there that would think that LeBron would go number one, but I'm going with the true number one, and that's Michael Jordan. And, and I would have taken hey, baby. I would have taken Jordan if you not have taken him. So I went with the, the next person, which was LeBron James. I took it at number two. I mean, before you go there, though, you literally type in Michael Jordan when you're texting and it like puts in goat uh, automatically behind it on its own. 
So if your phone knows that, why don't the rest of the country know that? I'm going to tell you why millennials know it is because when I was putting our pictures online earlier, I thought I could just type in the word Jordan and hit image search. And the first 500 images that came up were shoes. I couldn't even get a picture of him. I had to type in his name. Like the internet doesn't know who Jordan is. They just know it as a brand. And I'm kidding. They don't come up as goat, but uh, (laughs) you get my point. You type in Michael Jeffrey Jordan, and uh, I think it should pop right up. Do you know LeBron James' middle name? Crybaby bitch. See? (laughs) That might be it. But the point is, you don't know it. And that's why he's not the GOAT, but you know Michael Jordan's middle name. LeBron the Flopper James. I will say when it comes to uh, those discussions, most of these guys in the league now, don't remember how great Jordan was, but they're all wearing the shoes. You know, the shoes part of it, they're all wearing Jordans. Well, don't ramble. I know you have a tendency to do that, but the fact of the matter is we got some interesting picks to discuss. Do you remember who your first pick was? Uh, I was in the middle of a whiteout, so I'm saying Larry <laughs> Uh, Mr. Excuses, I'll accept that for partial credit. You gave me Magic Johnson and Larry Bird back-to-back, so – Whichever you want. But those were your first two picks. You went with the hardcore 80s icons. Hey, that's when basketball was good. That's when it was a man's game. <laughs> a slow man's game. After uh, your your Magic and Larry uh, pick, I decided to go with Kobe. So you're sitting with Magic and Larry, and I got LeBron and Kobe. So I feel like I got a head, head up on you right now. Oh, Absolutely. So then uh, we went back to Mr. Brown, his second pick. I believe that's uh, Shaquille O'Neal, or everyone knows him as Kazam. (laughs) Or Steel. (laughs) Or whatever his name was in Blue Chips. The Big Shamrock. (laughs) Superman. My favorite favorite Shaq quote of all time is, I'm like Pythagoras theorem. I'm unsolvable. It's A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Come on, Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> I right. mean, I mean, but you go, you start with, Sha- you start with Sha- Shaq and uh, Jordan. I like my chances, but go ahead. He followed it up with Steph Curry in the third round, so he's got his guards in play with Curry and Jordan and the Diesel. And I'm gonna say this: you got Ray Allen, you got Reggie Miller. By the time Steph Curry hangs it up, he will have more than double both of those guys, and he's going to be the best shooter times two ever. So uh, keep that in mind when you double-team MJ. Kick it out to Curry from 37 feet. Knock it down for three. Come on. I do have these images of seeing Steph Curry now run screens around Shaq to get open. Can you feel it, (laughs) sucker? That's that's not Shaq, sorry. (laughs) That wasn't even Booker T. It was, can you dig it, sucker? Not, can you feel me? (laughs) Ice, ice, ice. Go, go, go. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen the Booker T clip where he calls Hulk Hogan the (laughs) N-word? No. Edit. Edit. <laughs> I will not. We're still moving. Uh, all right. I went with Hakeem Olajuwon in the third round. Biggie went with Scotty Pippen. That's an early pick for Pippen, don't you think? Hey, one of the 50 greatest of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. He uh, can do anything don't on either quote, end of the floor. Don't quote me that 50 greatest list piece of crap that came out. Just uh, That was no, no. A trend of many over picks. Early picks, I should say. How about just bad picks? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the, ne- the next one takes the cake. So that was a double pick, right? Um, yeah, he, he got his double pick. Pippen and Clay. He went with Who'd Clay I Thompson. Who would I pick next? Oh, Clay Thompson. I guess uh, similar to your love for why Mahomes is so good is because Clay's daddy was a baller too, huh? No, Clay's daddy's got nothing to do with his jump shot. I mean, Biggie, really, you you really could have picked Kevin Durant right there and you chose to go Clay Thompson, the third best player on his own team today? Well, let's play a game. Let's see who else we can pick that we think is better than Clay Thompson. How about mm, Allen Iverson? I would honestly take Reggie Miller over Clay Thompson. All right, Reggie Miller. How about um, Ray Allen? I'm thinking I'd actually take Russell Westbrook over 
uh, Mr. Clay Thompson. How about the beard? Oh, definitely the beard. I think I'd also take, uh, I don't know. Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> you love the beard, Mr. Brown. If I was playing one-on-one, I'd take the beard. Muggsy, you know. Muggsy Bogues. Wait, what was the, didn't we get a random name out there? That was baseball. Never mind. I was going to find a name from obscurity. But you picked Clay Thompson to be on your starting oh, five. Before, before we go that, I also saw a video today of some guys talking shit to uh, Spud Webb at the local rec center. He's 47 years old, and they're talking shit. Come on, old man. He had, like, full suit on. He jumped. He said, give me the damn ball. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, give me the ball. He They gave him the ball. He goes like a little double pump jam with no problem. They're like, all right, sorry. we're My bad. That's it, Spud Webb. In the suit. He took his suit off, but he had his dress shirt on. My point is, he's better than Clay Thompson. <laughs> all right, explain yourself, Biggs. One of the great shooters in the history of the league, and he can play good defense. So, so why did you go with? Guy, honestly, wait, 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 wait. Why did you go with? Explain myself no, and then I, interrupt. And I can do what I want. I have the mic. Why did you pick one of the greatest <laughs> shooters and not just the greatest shooter? And did you just shat yourself? That's what I hear coming out of your mouth right now. What did you say again? It's your floor, Biggs. Why Clay Thompson? All right, I'm sorry. I won't interrupt anymore. Let me hear this brilliance you're about to utter. He's one of the best shooters in the history of the league, and he's a really good perimeter defender. He scores on games. He'll have 40, 42, 43 points. He'll have five or six dribbles. He doesn't need the ball a ton to score. If you're building a team of all-time greats, and I got Magic Johnson at the point, I need guys who can catch, shoot, hit the bottom of the net, D up on the other end. Is he an all-time great Hall of Fame player? No. But it was my fourth pick in the middle of a snowstorm, and I needed somebody to guard Kobe Bryant. But he can do that. You know why? Clay Thompson's going to guard gonna Kobe Bryant. Rose him. He's going to jail and rose him, and Kobe's going to be sitting on the bench with a big old swollen ankle. You don't know how I coach my guys. <laughs> so... Why not go with Joe Dumars instead of Clay Thompson? Why am I not allowed to like Clay Thompson? What's wrong with Clay Thompson? I would not put him in any all-time starting five. Oh, like I, I think, I think I... even if we're in like an actual NBA league of thirty teams, I still don't think he makes the starting lineup of all time. I mean, I think you could look at the dr- original Dream Team and pick like six players off there ahead of Clay Thompson at least. Well, the original dream team, you'd probably even take Lakner ahead of him, even though he was just a donut getter. No, I wouldn't take Lakner. I'm just saying. Take Chris Mullen ahead of him. Yeah, they, why didn't you take Chris Mullen? I was in a whiteout. I didn't know what was going on. Quit blaming the weather. <laughs> you're supposed to adapt and overcome, right? If you're used to it every day, you should. that's what you do, right? No, no. You never get no. used to it, right? Not if you're a legitimate human being. Hey, I'm just letting you know that Clay Thompson was not in the top 250 for efficiency ratings in NBA career statistics. He's top 50 this year, damn it. No, 250. 50 for this year? Oh, yeah, for maybe active players playing in this year. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, correct. So, but I mean, I think I would deserve him a spot in the top 15 of all time. Yeah, but John Law has a higher efficiency rating than he John does. John Law? Yeah, so does Paul George. Who's John Law? Wall. Oh, sorry. The He's terrible. He can't shoot at all. Vince Carter is. Derek Favors is. Mark Gasol, Kyle Lowry, DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams, Tony Parker, Derek Rose, DeMar DeRozan, all higher efficiency ratings than your beloved Clay with a K. I would take Well, a- let's pull them all out there and see who wins. I would take definitely a prime uh, Vince Carter and also the the MVP Derrick Rose over Clay Thompson. All right. Sure. So have we effectively buried his picks? Yeah. Okay, we can move on. I mean, everyone else online already has. Okay. So well, I would hope. So. I, I, I went with Oscar Robertson. So that was the only really old school player I went. I mean, I, I got Hakeem, who spanned a couple decades, LeBron and Kobe, but – 
you know, I felt like I could use some extra size of the point. That's kind of the Magic Johnson, you know, philosophy a little bit. He was Mr. Triple Double ahead of his time. Mm. He was athletic. Mm. He could play defense. He oh, got up yeah. and down the floor. Uh, he was long. He was rangy. He was athletic. I, you know, I, I thought he would be the the ultimate distributor and an excellent defender to add to my roster. I will say this, Biggie, to your defense with this pick, I feel like Jason Kidd and Russell Westbrook would absolutely smoke Oscar Robinson today. That's just my opinion. I don't think that he stands a chance against Jason Kidd when Jason Kidd's, what, 45 years old right now? No, I'm saying in his prime. No, I'm even saying right now. I know, but like, yeah, and then Russell Westbrook, Jason Kidd would be way better than Oscar Robinson. I think you're crazy. Be, oh, Jason Kidd was an elite defender, great passer, became a really good three-point shooter. You couldn't ask for much more as a uh, – I like how I pick a guy from the era, and you say, back when it was a man's game – but then whenever it's my turn to enjoy my pick, you guys want to talk about how he can't hold a candle to the guys playing today. When did Larry Bird – they played in the 80s. He played like in what, the 60s? The 70s. Yeah. Late, like late 60s, early 70s. Yes. It's a big difference. They didn't have three-pointers back then, did they? I know, and he still put up those numbers. <laughs> ah, all you got to do is score five baskets, and now you got your 10. He scored more than 10. <laughs> Oh, I don't like the Oscar Robinson pick. And, like, I'm a huge, like, baseball historian, and I love Babe Ruth, but he can't put up the same kind of thing that, like, today's athletes was would do. I mean, I'm sorry. If Bryce Harper played back then, or anybody, King Griffey Jr., they'd have put up, like, 1,200 home runs. I'm just saying. 26 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists a game. For his career. For his career, because he played against five foot three midgets, and he was six foot five. So at this point, Chad, you would justify drafting George Mikan? Oh no, he was a slow old white guy with glasses from up where you live. Don't hate on him. So you're saying that Bill Russell in today's game would still be the same player that he was seventy eight years ago? No, but he would still be a really good player. If you've watched any film from Bill Russell, he. He died. He was unbelievable, and he was the only guy that could stop Wilt Chamberlain back in the day. He was the Wilt Chamberlain stopper. There is a reason why Bill Russell has all the rings he has, and Wilt Chamberlain does not. Well, he always had the best players on his team. There was no free agency, of course. That's why he won. He was the coach, too. All right, so two, two out of three does not like the Oscar Robinson pick. Let's move on to the next one. I think it's a reach. Kevin Durant goes to Mr. Brown's team, the softest player in this list. But he would still put up threes on any of all defenders you put against him. Pippen Except included. Pippen. Including Pippen. Oh. Because guess what? I was thinking he was going to put Pippen on Jordan. But if you put Pippen on Jordan, who's going to guard Durant? I'm not worried about Jordan. Because you're not going to contain him, but he's not going to kill you at threes. He's going to score two-pointer after two-pointer after two-pointer. Until it equals 60, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's fine because he'll be the only guy that scores. Who's going to guard Jordan? Clay uh, Thompson. Clay Thompson, <laughs> Magic, or uh, Bird? Who's my worst defender? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jordan's going to destroy anybody. Are we playing in today's rules where you can't touch him? You might as well put Clay Thompson on him because that way you can put your money where your mouth is. Uh, that way he'll be fresh for offense because he'll just quit trying to play defense. No, you know what would be a dream matchup? Obviously, it can't happen because these guys have all been retired for 20 years. Pippen and Jordan going at it up and down all the right, court. So, you'd put Pippen on Jordan? No. If I were doing this, I'd put <laughs> Pippen on then LeBron. Then it's not really a dream matchup if LeBron's you don't even want to see it. LeBron's not on my team, it. damn it. I got LeBron and Kobe. So, here. So, I'm putting – I got LeBron, Kobe, Hakeem, and the big O on my team. I'm, I'm putting LeBron – on Durant and Kobe on Jordan. I like that better. I feel like you got something there. And I think if LeBron had to guard Durant all game and didn't have to worry about offense and carrying the team on his back as much, he'd probably be a little more you effective. Would. You'd have to he can't he has to score, you're not gonna win. <laughs> well <laughs> I mean that's just is what it is. You might be right. 
and then Dirk Nowitzki is going to stop the skyhook. I didn't even get there yet. <laughs> I, wait. All right. That was the first the, pick in this whole round, thing. The round five, Mr. Brown, he, he fooled me. I didn't pay attention. I already knew I needed another score because I didn't like how Steph Curry matched up with Oscar Robertson. So I needed another deep threat, and I ignored that his fifth pick was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he picked Shaq in the second round and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in round five. He did not go with a power forward. He went with two lumbering centers. <laughs> That's the downfall of his team. Oh, please. My team would smoke either one of your teams, and Internet has said it's true. I went with Dirk Nowitzki, and you went with Tim Duncan. And um, I, I have, for the I, whole draft was Tim Duncan. I have to admit, I, I would like to redraft this. <laughs> hey, uh, can I say one thing before we go any further? We went 15 picks. Built our teams. None of us took the second leading scorer in the history of the league, Carl Malone. I, I thought it, about it. I thought about it. Good in the post, out to 18 feet, made his free throws. How did nobody draft him? I will say this. After looking at my team, I probably could have been better off with a KG or a Carl Malone um, to compliment Shaq. But the way I'm thinking is I'm taking one of the best scorers ever. You got Shaq. That's two high IQ basketball players. They're going to make it work because if Kareem needs to step a little bit further and do that sky hook, guess what? That's what he's going to do. And nobody picked James Harden as I just get a text about him scoring 58 points again today. And you know why, right? Seven last night. Why? The reason why I wouldn't pick James Harden is because if Steph Curry misses next thousand three pointers, he'd still have a higher percentage than James Harden. Because James Harden is like a hitter in a slump, man. Just keep swinging the bat. You'll find your way out of it. Put me and coach. I'm ready to play. <laughs> All right, so to recap, Mr. Brown's team was uh, Steph Curry at the point, Jordan at the two, Durant at the three, Kareem, Kareem at the four, and Shaq at the five. I said you had such a good team going until you drafted Kareem. Oh, uh, it still smoked your ass, so what are you worried about it? I mean, you would just have to try to get up and down the court to wear him out. That's what it would come down to, make Shaq and Kareem run. I went with uh, my my point was uh, the big O and Oscar Robertson. I got Kobe in the two, LeBron at the three, Dirk Nowitzki in the four, and Hakeem Olajuwon at the five. And uh, Biggie went with uh, Magic at the one. I'm guessing Thompson at the two. Mm-hmm. Are you playing Pippen at the three? Pippen at the three, yeah. Bird at the four, and Duncan at the five? There's no way in hell that team matches up. Yeah, I think against uh, – I think you would do better against my team for matchups because of who I got, but I, I'm pretty sure uh, Mr. Brown's team would pound you inside to, to oblivion. I, all I got is one question, like Bird. Bird at the four. <laughs> Bird's guarding Kareem. <laughs> Good with Bird guarding Kareem because he's going to shoot that sky hook. You can't block it. You just hope that he misses it. On the other end, you're now going to tell me Kareem is going to guard Bird? No, absolutely not. I'm putting Durant on Bird. So we're playing switch on each side? Oh, I'll switch wherever I want. It's my team, damn it. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably put Kareem on Scotty. I probably would. (laughs) (laughs) Kareem. Uh, Actually, I'm going to put Kareem on Clay Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) Just stand out there. Let him drive by you. Stand out there and hold your arms up. Shaq will be underneath anyway. Don't worry about it. You get the rebound when you miss. Uh, so uh, it, it, what, what we want to do. This last pick that I cannot let it go. What is it? So Mr. Brown's team is the best, but I'm just really disappointed in his, his fifth round pick. Well, if he would have picked somebody else, I think he still beat us. He probably could have picked, well, no, Bar- he could have picked Barkley and it'd still be better. I picked Kareem in the fourth round, by the way. Oh, I thought you took Durant. No, I picked Kareem. Kareem first. Oh, yeah, maybe he did. I just put it in that way because it's back-to-back. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Either way. So, for those for those listening, for those listening, go to our Facebook page. Go to our website. Tell us which one of the three fantasy teams you like. Go to our Instagram. It's on there, too. It's Mr. Brown's team, Canadian Biggie's team, Chad the Mark's team. But I, I do think Mr. Brown's team won. They did. Any team with Jordan wins. And then, you know, yeah, any team with Jordan wins, it stops right there.
So, hey, guys, uh, real quick before you go, I, I think uh, you, you've already got wind of this, but we do have some exciting news coming out. We have an interview coming up for our weekend conversation with Mr. Eugene Napoleon, who used to be a former running back for WVU, and he's gone on to honestly bigger and better things, but still a Mountaineer at heart. Uh, so we definitely look forward to uh, talking to him, and we should have the interview up hopefully sometime over the weekend. He paused. Yep. What is it? Oh, you got to give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> or don't record this or record it, delete it. I had to pee so bad in that last little Patriots bit that I couldn't focus. I had something I really wanted to say, but I thought I was going to pee my pants. This vodka is killing me. Give me, <laughs> give me 20 seconds here.